I kind of woke up one day and my oldest was nine. And I just um, had this feeling of, I don't really know her. Like, I don't feel like I have like this great relationship with her. I feel like we've been checking the boxes. We've been pushing the homework. We've been hiring the tutors. We've been, you know, I say it in my book. It's probably the most famous thing that I say in my book is that I was sick of getting the leftovers of my children while the school got the best parts. I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia, who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia, and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside-down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. You are listening to the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Holcomb, here to educate you on dyslexia and coach you to find clarity, to develop a blueprint to equip your child to thrive with dyslexia. Today on the show... I am talking with Kalina. She's the co-author of the five-hour school week. We're talking all about her and her husband, Aaron's homeschooling journey with their four amazing kiddos. They decided five years ago to take the road less traveled, pulling their children out of the classroom and embarking on adventure and learning in a way they never could have imagined. In their book, The Five-Hour School Week, they share their experiences in hopes to inspire and support parents who have been questioning their current education choice. Kalina loves supporting other parents to do what works best for their family with a message of not following any one set of rules, but to create, live, and learn in a way most intentional and efficient for them. I don't know about you, but I'm on the edge of my seat to hear all about her journey. Oh, Kalina, welcome to the show. I can't wait to talk about your family's approach to education and what you've learned as a mom along this way, along this journey. So introduce us to your family and tell us why you decided to leave public schools to try a new approach to teaching and learning for your family. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's just like really such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Um, so I'm Kalina Amuchastegui. Um, I'm married to my husband, Aaron, for over 14 years, and we have four amazing kids, three girls and a boy, um, uh, ages 13, 11, 10, and then Brax is five. So we're kind of all over the board, super busy. And, um, yeah, I mean, five years ago, we were living a super traditional mainstream life. Um, our kids were going to a private school, but it was like very, um, academic, you know, very traditional, like heavy academics. Um, you know, and we were just working, we were working around the clock. We were just like living the rat race. We thought we were doing, you know, just everything we think we're supposed to do. Um, and I was just going through life, like checking the boxes. And I think that I kind of woke up one day and my oldest was nine and it was like, holy smokes, like it's half over, like it's half over, like of her time living under my roof, like being with me. Right. My daughter's nine too. So I get that. Yeah. (laughs) It was like this big, like epiphany, like holy smokes. And this feeling of, I don't really know her. Like, I don't feel like I've have like this great relationship with her. I feel like we've been checking the boxes. We've been pushing the homework. We've been hiring the tutors. We've been getting the straight A's and doing the parent teacher conferences. Like we're doing all this stuff. And I just, um, and I was burnt out and I was tired. And, you know, I say it in my book. It's probably the most famous thing that I say in my book. People quote it all the time is that I was sick of getting the leftovers of my children while the school got the best parts. 
And so, I mean, there's a lot of life events that happen um, within like a two year period leading up to us pulling our kids out. My father-in-law passed away of cancer. So just that reality of mm-hmm. life is short yeah. and like, we can't wait until we retire to travel and enjoy them. Right? right. So we just had like all of this stuff kind of fall into place and meeting people along the way. My vice principal who loved and adored at the school left, go open up a non-traditional entrepreneur school and just said like, my kids are school age. I could never imagine putting them in this academic setting. I'm like, what? Like you're an educator. What do you mean? There's something different. And that's when everything kind of changed. When I, when I asked that question, like there's something else. Are you kidding me? I had no idea. And so, yeah, I I mean, I read all the books. We did Free to Learn by Peter Gray and got into John Taylor Gatto. And, you know, I, I did my homework and uh, I pulled my, all my, all three of my girls out of school. And I, and you're right. I mean, when I was reading your book, that, that piece of just sick of getting the leftovers that you were talking about. And I think because it is, it's so true and you're being so, you know, just honest and transparent that, you know, and especially for those of us, I mean, raising kids in today is so different, I think, than our parents and our grandparents because of social media. And of course, now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Oh my. (laughs) But when I think about all the things, I just think about, you know, there's just always been this one way, but for us, in society in general, but even another layer of that is for us that are who are moms raising kids with dyslexia, who are struggling to learn to read some even to write their name. And for some math can be an impact uh, depending on what type of dyslexia that they have. So they have like an extra layer. So when they come home, they really some days have been just holding it together, trying to get through school. So oh, yeah. it's just, just yet another layer of what you were saying. But I did want to go back for just a second when you were talking about, you know, this wasn't a decision that y'all made lightly. And I think you even said in the book, you were a little resistant at first, just because a lot of it falls on us moms, right? It's just the reality yeah. of our role. But there was a, a piece in the book that you talk about the day that you went to the parent conference and you're like, Yep. Thank you. And, you know, and it to me was, it was powerful because they were saying all the right things people would think, you know, and so, and and you were like, "Mm -hmm, okay. And so there's more of this to come. Okay. Yeah, we're done. So if you don't mind, could you share a little bit about that? Cause I think that will really resonate with people, but also it's not like, oh, she just decided to do something different. I mean, you just saw more of the same layered on and more and more of the stress that was going to come home. And so do you mind sharing a little bit about that story yeah. the day that you went to the parent conference and you're like, okay, well, We're I'm going to go yeah. ahead and withdraw. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, um, it's funny because it was my oldest daughter's parent teacher conference. She's a fourth grader. And for the last two years, I had been battling with this like demon of like, are we going to, are we going to homeschool? Are we not? Do I leave them in? I mean, I was the, I was the, um, the, like the president, the PTA president at the time, like <laughs> I was incredibly involved in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved our administration. I loved our faculty. And I just remember sitting with Maddie's teacher and her being like, Madeline's an exceptional student. She has all A's. Um, I think she was like the top student or she was the second student in the class on her AR points, you know, the reading mm-hmm. points, because we've got to measure everything <laughs> and everything needs to be calculated. And, you know, we got to say like, this is where she's at. And, and then I just remember like feeling proud and then hearing that teacher, like it's so loud in my mind. She just said, but, and then it was followed with, but we could like, you know, do a couple more hours at night in here and do like the specialized thing. So she doesn't fall behind. And I'm thinking fall behind. Like you just said that she was doing awesome. And wait, like there's more and you want her to keep piling it on and you want her to do more homework. And like, she's a fourth grader. She's like nine or eight. Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And it was just all like settled on my heart. Like this is only about to get worse. Like she's a fourth grader. Like when she goes into seventh grade, what is this going to be like? What is this going to be like for her ninth grade? Like, how is she ever going to find out what she loves? When is she going to get to spend time doing the things that she enjoys? Mm -hmm. It just really hit me like a ton of bricks. Like there's no making this better. Like if we stay within this system, like this is it for us. And, um, 
Yeah. And I, and I walked out of there. In fact, I went to the next two parent teacher conferences and I didn't really even listen to them. I said, I love you guys so much. The girls don't really attend this school anymore. Like we're done. And I left and we came back the following week and cleared out their desk. And that was it for us. Wow. Yes. Cause it does. It's like you have my daughter's currently in fourth grade and it's, you do, you have this moment of, you know, we're actually in a, an immersion school for dyslexics. And so every child's dyslexic, every teacher's trained. And so it's kind of a unique situation and it's, it's for remediation. But when we chose to leave the small private school we were at for first grade, kindergarten, first grade, and preschool, I was just like, you know, we were going to have to do three to five days every school, every day after school remediation for probably 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half and then do speech privately on top of that. And I was like, just like you, I mean, we were going into second grade and I'm like, when is she going to be able to be a kid? When is she going to find her passions? When is she going to be able to just enjoy some downtime? And so we just started looking, I was like, I, this can't be the answer. And so I'll be honest. One of the reasons I really connected with you and your book is because being in an immersion school right now, it's a transition school. You don't go and stay. You stay for as long as you need to stay. And then you start, you know, moving on to the next location. And we're at that transition period again, where we're like, well, do we stay another year or two because of COVID? Do we go ahead and consider transferring? And then you start looking at all the options. And it is overwhelming because there's so many things. But every time I look at something, it's just more of the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, they've gotten really clever, especially over the last 12 months of like packaging up it up. Yes. So it looks different because everybody's looking for, you know, at home learning right. right now. Right. And so it is kind of distinguishing, but what actually fits my child and my family. Absolutely. And I love one of the yeah. things I think is something you've talked about. I can't remember if I've heard you talk about this or it was in your book, but I, th- I think this is important for families to hear, which is there was some research that you had read. I believe it was from Dell Technology, but if I'm wrong, please correct me. Or maybe you had heard this from someone and you were repeating it, that 85% of the jobs in 2030 don't exist today. Yeah. So no, that impacted true. some yeah. of the decisions you made too, right? I mean, just Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Because it's that, it's that thought of like, if we don't know what our kids are going to actually need to know for their career for 10 years down the road, right? Like our children, my daughter's 13. So we have five years right now. Um, when I wrote that book, it was what, four years ago. And so it's like, she's that, that first. And then my younger ones are, you know, so much further away. And it's like, we don't know what they're going to need. We're not, we don't know what jobs are going to be available and what haven't been replaced with artificial intelligence. You know, I mean, we're seeing that this year at warp speed happen. Right. Um, honestly, Mm -hmm. right. Like how many things have been taken over where we don't even have to walk into a store anymore. Like soon there may not be grocery stores or may just be warehouses. And it's so funny you say that because yesterday I don't watch a lot of news. I'm not sure if I was I don't know how I don't watch much TV anyway, because usually it's someone else doing something else. But I, I say this, though, I don't know how I stumbled upon it or maybe I had five minutes to myself. But there was this uh, news story and the guy, I think he was in New York and they had created vending machines where you can go up to the vending machine now and you can get a covid test. It was like one hundred nineteen yeah. bucks. And the co-founder was like, I'm going to put them in airports. And all I could think is all the money he's going to make. But yet it was such a convenience because people could go get it out of a vending machine and they could send it in. So I absolutely agree with what you're saying. We're just seeing things that we would have never seen before when we have just, we were forced into just having to make things look different, right? I mean, we just didn't have a choice. So, and I think that's going to be interesting to see in the future, how that impacts our kids, like what kind of jobs are available, but also their resiliency, like what is that going to look like? So I'm very interested to, but that's a talk for another day, but I I do want to talk about, you know, we, you mentioned a a few minutes ago about that quote about, you know, just kind of getting the leftovers of our children. But I know you also, as part of that, have talked about the parent-child relationship, because one of the things I talk to the moms that I work with a lot is, to me, that is the center of everything, because if if I don't get the homework done tonight, you know what, it's not the end of the world, but if I fight with you and I end up scarring our relationship, that's going to go on for years or weeks or months, and so mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that as far as that 
that parent-child relationship in a traditional school. Can you talk a little bit about what you were seeing? And if you don't mind, if it's not too personal, share with us how you've seen that change. I know there's always a transition, right? I know there was time that you had to kind of figure things out in the beginning, but you've had a couple of years now. So you're probably able to step back now and really reflect on, do I see a difference? And obviously you do, or you would probably be doing something different right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Isn't that the truth? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably the greatest success story of what we did and why we did it is I was so disconnected from my children. I, I mean, honestly, I felt like I worked for the school system. I was a drill sergeant. It was about getting them up, getting them fed, getting them there you know, packing the bags, doing the homework, making sure that it was done, punishing for late assignments, lost books, this and that. Like, I just felt like I was constantly working for the system instead of working for my child. And, um, when we got to sit down one-on-one, you know, with each of them and just say like, Oh, this is how you learn. Oh, this is what you like. I had like, I had no idea. And so it did. I mean, there was definitely a learning curve. There was a lot of unlearning that I had to do, but it was like absolutely the biggest shift in our family is just how much closer and open. And that I know each of my children for like who they are and what they love and what drives them and what makes them nervous and like when to push and when not to like all of these things about relationship right? Like as adults, we work on relationships with our spouses, with our friends. I think sometimes we forget to think of our children as like a relationship in the same way that like it needs work and care and we need to grow with it. And we need to create safe spaces for them in that relationship. And so it's been my greatest learning experience. I feel like it'll just like happen until, I mean, forever, honestly, (laughs) but it's like, what an I don't feel like I had that opportunity when they were at school. I felt like I had to keep up this wall and keep pushing them through the line. And I think Um, too, for many of us, you know, because it's such the norm that many moms work outside the home now, and then some moms also have businesses and they are at home, but they're running a business. And so by the time our kids get home, we do feel rushed. Like we've had a full day. They've had a full day, but now we've got to get ready for dinner. We got to get ready for tomorrow. We got to see what homework. Do you remember what your homework was? Did I have homework? You got to do that whole homework dance. And then, you know, they're home for a minute and then it's time to reset and get ready for tomorrow. And so I can completely relate with that. I think probably all moms can, you know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, So I love that piece of it. So let's, let me ask the, the, I guess the elephant in the room question, which is, can you describe for us that that whole concept of a five hour school week approach for people that haven't read your book yet? Because after they hear this, I know they're going to want to go get it because it, it, it was it was great. So or it is great. So can you describe because people are probably listening going, so is this homeschool? Is this unschool? I don't understand what she's doing. So could you yeah. just share a little bit about that concept of the five hour school week? Um because I think if yeah. I remember right, Aaron was kind of part of, uh, he is part of that, but obviously yeah. that I think you, there was a story in your book about him calling you from a conference and he had his own aha moment. So I love, yeah. I mean, that's a little side story we can tell in a minute, but can you just kind of describe or define what the five hour school week approach is? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's based on this idea of like intentional focused work, like in small incremental intentional work you're going and work that you want to do. Like you're choosing it. This is where you want to be. Then you're going to learn so much more, so much quicker. You're going to remember it. And then the rest of that time is spent on doing the things that fill you up and are your passions and are your joys. And like, just truly, I mean, I just feel I, people go like, what do you do with your kids? I I live life with my kids Mm -hmm. is what we do all day. Like we live (laughs) life. We, we cook and we clean and we create and you know, like we're, we're living together. And when you're living with people in relationship, like there's always so much learning that happens. And so like a typical day looks like for us, like we wake up, we have a really great rhythm in the morning. We read together out loud. And then each of my kids pick like a specific field of study as they've gotten older, really, they choose to do so much more than that, like hour of focused academics. Um, You know, we're on year five now and Maddie's 13 and Charlotte's 11 and they're choosing, like, they're so excited to learn. 
that was not the story the first three years, like at all. Like we really, I mean, to get an hour was the max. Like we would sit, they would be like, okay, I want to learn multiplication. So every day they would spend like 30 minutes on multiplication and 30 minutes on like history. Right. Or like, and they would, sometimes they would do online programs. Sometimes we would work out of books. Um, you know, we have this whole process where the kids pick the material that they want to learn and, you know, we investigate, I'm a detective into like what's interesting them and the best way for them to learn that. And then we find the resources to support that. So like, I don't really call myself a teacher as much as like a facilitator or like a support coach, you know, like I'm just here to like, make sure that you have what you need to learn what you want to learn. Um, and, and really the five hours is just about it being like intentional and focused and, um, and we're not just like scrolling or we're not just picking up a textbook just for the heck of it. And there's always time. There's so much time for perusing and cause that can spark interest. Right. Yeah. But like when we're wanting to learn, like I want to intentionally sit down and I want to become a master at this thing. And so that's kind of where that's kind of what that looks like for us. Right. And, you know, I, th- I think too, as I, you know, you think about, you know, especially if, if for moms that are listening that have not gone down this road and, and maybe not have yet, you know, you think about, well, that seems like that's not enough time to get everything done. <laughs> but, you know, I, re- I remember the story you tell in the book, which is, is uh, I, I'm trying not to give away all your, all your good stuff, but I love the piece in the book that y'all had went on a trip and yeah. y'all leave, y'all leave the schoolwork. And then that's when I think part of your aha moment, if I can, oh, that was, that, could you share yeah. a little bit about that? Cause I well, think that, that really would help people kind of see that you didn't necessarily set out on this road, but as things started happening and you started really looking, you're like, Oh, well, maybe we could do this. Not only because the things you were seeing at the school, but things you were even seeing in your home that you were saying, well, I go about that intentional time. Do you mind? Yeah. that story? Cause I think that would be yeah. very enlightening for people too. I love that you bring that story up because it was incredibly pivotal and it happened like right in the middle of all of this stuff happening. Like my, my principal is leaving for a new school. I'm reading these books and we decide we're going to get away and go on this big camping trip at Yosemite national park. And everybody was so stressed about leaving school. You know, Maddie's a fourth grader. She's like, oh my gosh, we're learning long division this week. Like I can't leave. Cause y'all left during a school I, week, right? Is that what y'all uh, did? Yeah, okay. we just left like, yes, total school week, like Monday to Friday, we're going to be gone. And the kids, like Maddie, especially as a fourth grader, now she's getting so much homework. She's like, I'm going to fall behind. Mm-hmm. This is like, you guys are being crazy. We can't do this. <laughs> and I'm like, we'll bring it. We'll bring the homework. It's going to be fine. We'll get, you know, we'll catch up all this stuff. Why leave the homework? Like I pack all the stuff and I forget on like totally by mistake. Maddie has massive anxiety that week um, for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden we have this magical time in Yosemite. If you've ever been there, you know, it's just learning around every corner. It was like still one of our favorite family trips. And we get home on a Sunday. And as I'm unpacking the car, Maddie starts freaking out. Like I've got to do my, I've got to do my, my homework. I'm so far behind. It's all due tomorrow. What are we going to do? And Aaron goes, I'll sit down with you. We'll knock this out. And in no joke, a week's worth of long division was like gone. Like he's done that. And a bunch of other stuff. I think there was like actually reading assignments. And he was also working with Charlotte on her kindergarten packets. Like it was, and in one hour, they just knocked it out. The kicker though, was actually Monday morning when Maddie went back to school And I picked her up that day and she said, mom, they didn't even cover long division. They didn't get like, they didn't even get like half the work done. Wow. And I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah. And they spent like another three weeks, I think on long division and Maddie already knew it. She's so bored. Yeah. And so that's when you start like putting, piecing things together. You're like, oh, well, like once a kid knows something, they know it. Why are we going over this over and over and over again and rehashing it when they're bored? Like, there is so, and we can get so much done in these small periods of time when we're focused and mm-hmm. like, we really want to accomplish it. Right. So it started something that felt completely impossible. All of a sudden felt like feasible. I'm like, Oh, maybe this is possible to do. Right. So having said that, are there, are there times you spend that those focused times? And I know it, it's changed over the last five years as, as they've gotten older, 
do you find that there's some weeks that you spend less than five hours? And are there some weeks oh, where yeah. they spend more than five hours because they're oh, digging yeah. into things? So, I mean, the five yeah. hour school week is kind of a concept, but it's some flexibility yeah. in there for you and your family. Uh, yes, absolutely. Like, I mean, things are so subjective. Right. We're traveling, mm-hmm. honestly, anymore. I don't do any book work because like, we learn so much on the road and in our surroundings culturally. And usually we're traveling to learn. And so, you know, I don't like measure it. I don't count right. it. You know, I want to, I, and that's the thing about learning is we say it's a five hour school week, but my kids are constantly learning. Like if I were to calculate the learning hours, right. I, mean, I don't know, yeah. you know, that'd be 40 hours. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I think the other piece of it too, which is what, you know, I can only, I can speak for myself, but I know for, for our family, you know, that's one of the things that's really heavy on my heart right now that I think about because depending on when she transitions out of her current school, I worry about that wherever we, you know, whatever path we decide to go on next, I want her to continue to love to create and love to learn. And I don't want her to be in a situation where she starts questioning herself and her abilities because she's very bright. You know, you'll love this. She'll, she'll get up. And I always know it's gonna be a long day when we get up and she goes, get up for in the morning. And she's like, I had this idea. I'm like, okay. And she has these really like, she wants to be a scientist. She says she wants to be a chemist, but she also has these huge entrepreneurial bug. Right. So I, I love that part of your book as well. Cause you talk about that, but we won't get into that much today, but you know, she'll wake up and say, Hey mom, what if we did this? Can we start a website? And I'm like, Whoa, it's, I haven't had my breakfast yet. So, but I love that about her because she, she just uh, is still a sponge and she's taking in so much. And so I do worry as a mom that when we reintroduce her back to a, you know, a different environment, how is that going to look? Is that going to benefit her? And so I love that you talk about those pieces and that you're open and honest about what you were seeing. And I think too, things just happen for a reason, right? And so although you, you honestly forgot the work, it also gave you a window into a possibility that you were just kind of toying around with the idea at the time. Right. Yeah. It was really, I really felt for us, everything aligned and the timing was perfect more so, so that I would have this story to share with people because my story isn't really that uncommon. Like I'm not really an original. There are a lot of parents sitting in school systems and they hate it. They hate getting the worst of their children. They hate that their children are pretty much just a number that's being measured and calculated and that they feel that they're working for a school system and that the school is in the middle of their relationship. And like, I just want to be able to support parents and just say, there are, there are just so many options. Like you just don't have to stay there. Right. And, and I told you, you this know? before we started, but I'll, I'll say it again. So everybody can hear it. But part of, you know, your book, you know, when I read it, it really, you know, it was, I mean, I know about, you know, other ways of, of educating your child, but it was like, I guess, just hearing from you from a, a, a personal mom experience and just listening. And I was like, you know, it really kind of got my wheels thinking, my brain thinking, and, and really, I guess, just opening up the option that there are other possibilities. And is this the best method? And, and we do have, we live in a country where we have the option to do something different. And so that's really, you know, one of the biggest motivators to have you on the show, because I really wanted moms to be encouraged because I hear from so many, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, that are just they're just at a loss. And so, you know, we'll, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So I do want though, to help unpack a little bit. I know you talk about unschooling and unschool. And so some people may get confused if they've not done any research on these pieces. So when someone says homeschooling, as opposed to unschooling, and of course, we're not talking about pandemic homeschooling at this point, we're talking about families who have made a decision to leave either a public or a private school, more of an institutional learning, and we're coming home to do something that's more personal on our heart. Some of it could be homeschooling, but some of it could be kind of this unschooling approach. So for those that aren't familiar with those terms, could you share a little bit about what the difference is? Yeah. Because I had to research so, that myself because I was yeah, like, what is and this? A, and there's a lot out there. I think now I like people hear unschooling and they get kind of like, what? Like you don't do school or you don't like school. And it like, (laughs) it kind of causes and activates emotions. So I've kind of moved into using the term self-directed learning. I love that. Where our, our kids are directing 
their own learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the difference between homeschool and um, unschool has a, has a lot to do with freedom. It has a lot to do with choice. Um, this, my kids truly set their curriculum. They set their daily schedules they make goals and set intentions for themselves. And we check in together to see how those are being met. Um, and I support them when they ask for it, right? Like when they need me and they need the support, like then I'm here. I envision homeschooling more as curriculum based, like primarily. Purchase um, curriculum probably. Right, purchased a lot. Um, they're covering, you know, all the subjects typically around the same time, kind of in a school, more schooly mm-hmm. way. As I say this though, like I really hate to get stuck with right, like labels right, because right. the reality is, is there's like a million layers mm-hmm. in between. Like you've got like radical unschoolers right. who, I mean, they don't, I mean, they just like, I don't know. Like they're very, like they're radical. Like there's no like teaching, like book curriculum type stuff. There's no like you need to learn X, Y, and Z. You have radical homeschoolers that are like sitting at a at a desk and they're teaching all seven subjects and they're grading and all of that stuff. It's like school within your home. Mm-hmm. And then you just have like every layer, in every middle, degree sure. in between, mm-hmm. right? And so Like I didn't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable doing radically anything. I don't (laughs) feel like that's super balanced. And so for us, it was about- Doesn't give you flexibility either, really. Right, exactly. And so we just fell into this, like what feels good? Like an hour a day for me as a parent feels good. Like that feels sufficient. Like they're intentionally focusing on something that checks my box of feeling better, right? And then, but my kids wanted that like autonomy and that freedom to say like, but this is important to us. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, incorporate that into our life. And so, I mean, that's kind of like that unschooling approach. And I think you you get to just mix and marry like what works for you um, and throw out what doesn't season by season, honestly, because it changes for us constantly. Yeah. And I think, you know, on that, on that piece too, you know, when you think about some of the research that you had um, you know, read and studied. I know that some of the things, I think there was a, a another part in the book where you talked about, and I, this to me was very impactful as well, where you had the experience, I think, is it Jim Shields? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Where he yeah. says to, I think a you or a group of people that said, he says something to the effect of, you know, think about the three or four most difficult experiences you've had to overcome in your life. So I'd ask moms to think about that. What are some, as an adult, some of the most difficult experiences you've had to deal with and you've had to overcome? And did what you learned in school actually prepare you for how to respond to those events? And so when you hear that, what kind of reaction do you have? I... I don't know. Like, I, like as soon as I heard that, like my heart actually dropped. I was Mine like, too. no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, so number one, as an entrepreneur family, right? Like school completely failed my husband and I for entrepreneurship. Uh, we are completely self-directed uh, 90%. And, and my husband is a college graduate. Um, I have, you know, I did a little bit of college, but I was not really, I don't fit inside the school box, um, a traditional school box, but I became, I went to, um, like became a broker, a broker. I got my real estate license. I was all self-directed. I taught myself how to learn because I actually never had learned how to learn in school. (laughs) So I just felt like, and so much of the hardest things that I had to deal with in life was actually like social, emotional. It had a lot to do with like um, critical thinking type stuff. And well, just leave when you not. were saying goal setting. I mean, you were talking yeah, about a few minutes ago no. working with, you know, your your children with goal setting. And I thought that's I'm actually working on a course right now. And that's one of the things I've got in there is helping parents learn how to goal set. Yeah to think about how to go through remediation and pieces like that. And I think, well, is this like, would people know this? But I don't think we do because it's, it's just like with our finances, you know, no one taught me about budgeting or anything when I was growing up, you know, you just kind of have to figure that out. So there's so many, I think, tangible life experiences that, that, you know, if it's not in a book, we're not necessarily learning it in a traditional setting. So I just, I thought that was very interesting because if you, if you're considering, 
leaving the public school, when you hear things like that, it really does make you stop and pause and think about what are the benefits you're getting other than your child being out of your home all day so you can work, which is what a lot of people say during COVID. But I just want to dig deeper because I think it's more than that, right? So what have you found to be some of the greatest benefits from just leaving the, 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 what people would call the more traditional and now, you know, going a different path, what have been some of the benefits you've seen? I know you've probably seen a lot of them, but do you mind sharing a few, uh, in these last yeah. five years or even this last, you know, maybe this last year or the first year, I don't know, just what have been some of the benefits that maybe even were unexpected for you that you're like, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, aside from getting to have these really connected, beautiful relationships with my children and like build a foundation, the type of foundation in my family, like I always hoped to. Um, I'm, I'm seeing kids that used to hate learning. I have kids that used to hate reading who are now passionate, who are excited, who are like, my kids are curious. They are constantly learning how to do new things, things that I would have never thought to learn how to do. It's it blows my mind actually when you give kids freedom, what they do with it. Um, and I think it's just been really freeing for me. I think one of the most unexpected things is um, how much I've gone back into my own childhood journey and saw all the holes in my education. Mm-hmm. And I've got to go back and like really dive deep into things and learn things in a new way and a new perspective that actually like learning can create like feelings in us and like give us like so much purpose and like inspiration, like real education and real learning is supposed to make you feel alive. And I got that back. Like not only did my kids get that back, but I got that back. And so, and I love that you're sharing that because many times when, when I'm working with moms, you know, and this happened even in our own family is that when, when you don't have dyslexia on your radar, even though it's hereditary, like it wasn't on our radar. So for some families they know, so they're kind of watching for it and they may have multiple kids that have dyslexia, but for us, we didn't know. And so for those that don't know that, it, that they have dyslexia in their family until all of a sudden their child is identified with dyslexia, you, you do exactly what you just said. You start thinking about, cause my husband's like, Hey, she's doing this, you know, I do that. Or he'll, or we'll read an article and he's like, oh, that's why I do that. And then you start kind of reliving. And I do that too. You start reliving things that you experienced or that you struggled with. And it's like, it comes all back up. But the reason I say that is because, and a, another reason why I wanted to, to have you on the show is because it is that time to look, to see, okay, those were the things you really remember about school and they weren't necessarily a good experience why does it have to be the same? Why can't it be different? Right. right. Like that's the, that's really the thing when we go like, oh, but I went to school. But if you really dig into most people's school experience, like on the surface, we go, oh, but we had friends and it was normal and it's what everyone was. But if you really dig in deep, even if you were an awesome student, even if everybody liked you, most of us, not everybody, but most of us have this piece that's like, no, like that never, that didn't sit right with me the way that that was explained or nobody really heard me when I was saying that this was important. Mm -hmm. And most people at the end of their educational career feel like I didn't get what I came here for. Like even my husband leaving like a really great school, a really great university was like, I didn't exactly get what I came here for. I paid a lot of money and this isn't exactly like, I didn't love that. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to go back into our education and see where it failed us. I tell parents a lot of the time, like when they go like, well, what are we supposed to teach them? Or what are we supposed to do? I say like, well, what did you always wish that you knew how to do when you left school? Right? Like if your kids won't tell you what they want to know, like, what did you wish that you would have known? Right like start there, like start with balancing a checkbook or start with like emotional intelligence, like how to do, like how to set boundaries, like teach your children how to set boundaries and how to have healthy relationships because we don't learn that in school. Right. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. those are the things that I walked out of the classroom and I went, man, I wish I knew how to do this. And I wish I knew how to do that. Like 
teach your kids those things. And you're able to really, I mean, we hear a lot about personalized learning and individualized learning plans and things of that nature, but you know, for us, we only have the one child. So I think about that too, because I think about families that have, you know, more than one child because they're able to really learn together. And so I do worry about that component, but I think about in a classroom setting, the teachers having to teach to everyone, even at the college level. Right. And so when they're at home though, we already know them better than anyone. So, you know, like the other night, for example, we had a, a tornado warning at two 30 in the morning. So we all had to get up and go to the basement. And so the next morning we all didn't look good. Like we were exhausted. (laughs) And I had a girlfriend of mine say, I didn't even send my kids to school. Like, I can't believe you sent her to school. And I'm like, well, we went, she was, I mean, she was ready to go, but that night she completely crashed because she was like, you know, we got up at two 30, but you know, you know that. So if you were home, you could have adjusted your day, you know, instead of getting up at six, you could have gotten up when you got up. Right. I mean, so there's, there's those those benefits of, of just knowing your child and knowing when, you know, okay, we've had, and and some of us learned that through the pandemic, when we had to do remote learning early on, I'll admit, I was trying to get it all in. Okay. We got to get all this in. And then sometime I thought we'd be home a week, but we were like home permanently for a while. So I don't know what earth I was living on, but anyway, but towards the end of it, I was like, why am I doing this? And so I just told her teacher, I said, I have great respect for you in the school. I know you're doing what's, what, what you, you believe that's best for our daughter. And I get that we were paying, you know, private school rates, but I was like, we're going to do math and reading. We feel like those are the most essential. We'll get some science and social studies in, but Kalina, we were working all day. Like I was working in one room uh, on my day job. And then I would take a couple of hours off in the middle and I would run back and forth and I'd have to sit with her because some of the programs that we're using, it wouldn't read to her, but others would. And it was just all this stuff. And I was like, and, and at the end of the night, I would feel defeated and I would feel horrible. And I'm like, I couldn't get it all done. And then I'm like, okay, can we squeeze this in before we go to bed? And I did that. I, I'm just embarrassed to say probably 80% of the time we were home last year. And then at the very end, I had this aha moment, which was, why are you doing this? You know, what are they, what are they, I mean, honestly, I respect her school. So I'm sure someone will listen and go, oh my goodness. But at the end of the day, I was like, she's home. I, I, I'm in control of what we're doing and when we're doing it. Because at that point last year, they were just doing one Zoom in the morning and the rest of the day was us managing the day you know, these, I guess the point is these list of assignments that had to get done. And I was like, why are we? And then on Fridays, I was like, we're done at noon. We're done. Like we're done. We're done. Time out. We're yeah. done. And there were a couple of days when I was like, I looked at her and I was like, I looked at my husband. I was like, we're just done. Pack, pack it up. We're done. She's exhausted. I can see it in her face. How are we going to get the best out of her? How is she going to benefit from this? If we're just checking a box, if she's exhausted, yeah. we just can't. So I think you know, as I think about where moms are right now in the school year, and I think about, you know, even here in Georgia, there are some people that are still remote learning. There's still some people that we, we went to tour a private school not too long ago. And they were like, we've had a, like just a flood of people getting in because we're doing face to face. And so, you know, there's just all these different uh, ways that it looks. But I think what we have learned is we've seen our children face-to-face learning, like we've seen them struggle. And I think that's been a wake up call for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the unexpected struggles. I mean, I'm sure there were some things that you were like, Oh my, I had no idea this was going to be part of this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? Like it's hard. Number one, um, old beliefs die hard. You know, when you're raised, I was raised by a public school teacher and a police officer. My husband was raised by a public school teacher who became a superintendent of a school district. Like the system is ingrained in our whole fiber. And so to number, like disrupt everything that you used to believe in, I still have, I still go, oh my gosh, we should be doing more. That's probably the hardest thing is really just trust, trusting my children is the hardest thing. Trusting that they're going to lead me to what they need to learn because I believe that I've seen it. I've read it. I've talked to the kids that have done it. You know, the moms that have done it from beginning to end. Like, I know that that isn't just like some 
like dreamy theory mm-hmm. and whatever. Like I do believe that children are self-directed and they should have freedom to learn and that they're capable to do that. The hardest thing is to actually do that. Like to just let go and just like really, yeah, you know? I can see that I'm very type a, so I could cause that was probably yeah. part of my problem last year. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, I've got a little schedule on the wall and we're, you know, here's, yeah. here's where you're going to sit and all that. And I was like, Okay. But, but it's just because it's what I knew, right? It's what you know. Yeah. And so it's very difficult doing what you don't know. And it's hard. Like you are with them. Right. You got to get used day. to a new, a yeah, new, you have to yeah. get new yeah, systems and, rhythms and, and having people in your space and being in theirs and like how communication works best and when, and mm-hmm. you know, and so, I mean, there is definitely this period for us. I mean, I tell people it's probably close to 18 months. Uh, like really doing very, very little academics and just figuring out how to live right. with one another because we were never taught to do that. I mean, we would put them in preschool at three years yep. old and, you know, uh-huh. we mm-hmm. never learned to sit and have full days of conversation with them. And, you know, we never had to meet their needs or, and they never had to meet their own needs. That's the other thing. Yes. School does not really um, promote like self um, direction and independence. And so like, I had these kids that were so used to being told like what to do, when to do it and how, and I'm like, okay, what does everyone want to learn? And they just look at me like deer in the head, like, like, what do you mean? What do you like? You're supposed to tell us what to learn, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And so it's that, like, I'm like, okay, well, what do you want your days to look like? Well, what do you mean? What do I want my days to look like? You're supposed to tell us that. And it's like, well, no, like you're going to have to be a human out in the world. You need to know how to do these things. Right. You need and to be so, independent. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we want. Right? Like we need to start. That's right. right. Like, and just some of these little things like that they can have control over. And so. Which is so empowering just, for them, you know, I mean, it's oh, such an, an empowering piece. It's so empowering. It's so good for them. Um, but it takes time. It takes time for them to feel comfortable with it. It takes time for you to get comfortable with it. But really, I so give yourself some grace. So give yourself some yeah, grace. You just, a you, lot give of it. Give yourself time. Give yourself grace. Give yourself help where you can get it. Mm-hmm. Like I supplement some of the stuff. Now the kids have decided to do some online learning, and so like that gives me a break when they're online with a, you know a teacher, and you know you find your things, you find your joy, and you get outside as much as you possibly can yes. when you can. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Well, I want to switch just here toward the end and talk a little bit more about moms who are are really in the journey of raising children with dyslexia. And, you know, like some of the things you have described, we we feel the same things. There's many, you know, frustrations uh, with schools in general, whether it's public or private, because teachers, unfortunately, they're, they aren't trained in effective reading instruction. And I can say that because I have an undergrad in elementary education I have two graduate degrees in school counseling and I have a law degree and I've worked for school districts pretty much the majority of my life until recently. And I had a friend that was dyslexic, but I didn't know that one in five, you know, people are said to be dyslexic. I didn't know it was hereditary. I didn't know it could be remediated. There was all these things I didn't know. And that's what's happening in the schools. Teachers aren't trained on effective reading instruction they don't actually understand what it means to be dyslexic, that your child is bright. And, you know, but like our daughter had amazing vocabulary, even very young, you know, very young on at the beginning, but, you know, and, and I guess preschool age, but then you move from them, not the teachers, not understanding to there, even the teachers that really want to help you, there's just no resources to remediate children with dyslexia in school systems. And many times in private schools. And as a result of that, We have children with low self-esteem who are struggling academically and they have little time after school just to be a kid. Like I talked about earlier, because many times we're having to do, you know, tutoring after school or we're having to do all these things. And so we're, we as families are pushed to like an immersion school that we're at, or we're pushed into private tutoring and all these things. So I say all that to lead up to, as we, you know, embark on, you know, working with moms and working with moms trying to make decisions and they, and they do, I mean, so many of the moms that even though I see in Facebook groups, they're just, um, they're hurting and they want better for their child and they just don't know how to do it and that there is another way. So I wanted to fire off a couple questions, kind of a quick round questions for you. And so as I think about advice for families, 
who really want to step away from a more, I think someone said to me not too long ago, well, you're really talking about institutional learning or like a traditional school learning. And so how would you respond to, to a parent that said, well, I'm just not qualified to teach. Like you said earlier about being a guide, like my daughter wants to be a chemist. I took chemistry in college and it was a horrible experience. So I'm just going to use myself. So if I were to say to you, Oh, Kalina, I can't, how would I like her math skills are already better than mine. And she's in fourth grade. Right. So I know you hear that for moms, but I could see that being one of the very first things that people say. And so, I mean, how do you respond to those types of inquiries when people go, yeah, I'm not qualified to do this. Yeah, I think that, um, I think it's the biggest lie we're told as parents, because I mean, I post literally on my post today on Instagram, it was like, do not let systems make you feel that you're unqualified. Like don't let them push you into things and make you feel that you're unqualified because truly nobody supersedes you as a parent. Nobody knows your child better than you know. And that doesn't mean that, you know, chemistry, right? That doesn't mean I know, that doesn't mean that I know like trigonometry that doesn't mean I'm going to do very good with my daughters when they you know go into high science or whatever but it does mean that I know what my kids need because they're really great at communicating it to me and so then we can find the support that we need when they need that Mm -hmm. right like we don't have to worry about I think where we get super stressed out and like the pressure gets really deep is when we start thinking like, oh my gosh, but what about high school? Right. Oh my gosh, well, what about like, what about college? Mm-hmm. What about their degree? What about <laughs> exactly? This? And I really just want to tell parents like, take a deep breath and like, like, what about this week? What are you guys going to learn this week? Mm-hmm. Right? Because honestly, like, it just isn't. It's very organic. Learning is super, super natural when you let it. And when they're ready to learn chemistry, when they're ready to take trade classes, like that class is going to be there. That support's going to be there. That tutor you'll find them online for a great rate or that Khan Academy free class is going to click and that's going to be the one Mm -hmm. like we have this isn't the world that our parents lived in we have like infinity options for every child Mm -hmm. really we do I mean it takes time to find them but what I want people to know is you have time Mm -hmm. like you have time this isn't a race Mm -hmm. this is you know, I really love, I don't even remember who told me this, but like homeschooling, educating, like education in general, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, Absolutely. right? We don't have, and we don't have to figure it, you don't have to have it all figured out today. Right, right. And I, and I think too, I mean, if there's a positive that came out of the pandemic, I think that we really were, had our eyes open to that there's a lot of resources available to us. Um, Some of those were brought to us by our teachers, but then some of them were, especially for families with dyslexics, you know, a lot, well, I guess all of them really, tutors had to figure out how to make it work. And so 99.9 of them went online. And so now we're like, oh, well now we can even work with someone that lives in another state or lives in two counties over or whatever, Mm -hmm. because we know we can make it work because we've done it. And we are like, oh, that really wasn't that bad. Like I I figured out how to use Zoom, you know, all these things that people are having to experience. And now that that doing it scared moment, they're past that because they had, they had to go through that through the pandemic. And I think it makes people even, especially like, I don't want to say people like me, but people that are older, that their kids are young, they're, they grew up with technology. You know, I didn't get a computer at all, went to college. And so, you know, but because all of us had to go through the pandemic pieces, I think we as parents are more open now to, oh, well, there are these other opportunities. And so I think you know, one of the things, again, a reason I wanted you to come on the show is because I do feel like this is the perfect timing for moms to be questioning, is this the right path for us? And is there a different one? So the other question I wanted to ask you about the the couple of quick fire questions is the other piece I know you address, which is, oh my goodness, I went through the pandemic, kids 24 seven, no thank you. I need me time. They need social interaction. They cannot be underfoot 24-7. No, ma'am, mm-mm, they're going to school. So <laughs> how do you respond to yeah. those moms who are like, I'm scared to have them at home all the time? 
Yeah. I mean, if you, I think that there's two things, like there are just some parents that they don't want their kids at home. Absolutely. I respect that man, for whatever reason, if you're a working mama, if you have your own, you got to know what works for you, whatever flow, right. You have to know. So if you are a mom and you are like, I do not, I never wanted these kids at home. I still don't want these kids (laughs) at home. Honestly, it's not for you. (laughs) Serious part of me says, don't have your kids at home. Like don't have your kids at home. If you don't want them at home. I think that that's horrible for you and your kids. Right. So, um, but if you're just not doing it because you're scared and like during the oh, pandemic, figure that you out. didn't mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. right. Like during your, if during the pandemic, you just never found a rhythm or you didn't find a flow or you didn't find a curriculum or a program or whatever that like worked for you. Y'all, these are crazy <laughs> times. I do not think that we should be measuring anything based on what's happening right now. Like, look at it as a trial run and be like, okay, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. I'm throwing it out. But you know what? That one day when we were outside, they started counting the rocks and this happened and this. Maybe we need to go out in nature more. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna add more of that in. Mm-hmm. So like find the stuff that's working, just go deep on that stuff. And whatever's not working, stop doing it. Like literally, I know like, oh my gosh, you invested the money on the curriculum or you paid the coach. Like, I know how frustrating that feels in the beginning, but seriously, if you can get away with it, like, and you can settle it in your heart, you're going to be so much better off throwing away the stuff that just is making you miserable. Absolutely. And I love that you said too, while ago that you will get to a point where you know, maybe you don't have the awareness to know, but as you kind of get into that world, you'll start seeing other things. Like you said, you know, there may be that you, you know, have an afternoon that you go to a co-op or that you have an afternoon yeah. where your, your girls are in Girl Scouts or, you, you know, there will be pockets yeah. of times that we want our kids to be interacting with others. This isn't oh, yeah. a stay home, no, except for the pandemic. Obviously that's an exception to the rule, yeah. but in a, in a, a pseudo normal world again, you know, we, we would not necessarily have them 24 seven. We would want to find ways to give them experiences and, and to be able to, to nurture their strengths and their gifts. And so, you know, so I know that's part of it. I think that's probably just one of those, um, uh, what's the word, like an imposter thing that, oh, I can't do this. And so, you know, I do think that, you know, you really just have to, like you said, I think it is important to step back and see, you know, what, what works, what doesn't work, you know, it's funny. Cause I told my daughter years ago, she had asked about homeschooling. I was like, Oh yeah, your mom's not ever homeschooling. And then the pandemic <laughs> happened. And I was like, well, this really, you know, it was bad for a couple of weeks at the beginning, but I was like, you know, this really isn't that bad. So, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of opens your eyes to those things. So this one, this last question about this group of questions, and then I want to, to, to kind of wrap up today, but this question is a little more personal And I know that you address it because I've seen you address it before and you do a great job at it. But I know for some people, especially people that read your story may think, well, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't travel. Of course, again, we're not talking about pandemic travel at this point, (laughs) but like, you know, regular world traveling, you know, and so, you know, it doesn't seem really feasible or financially, you know, possible for us to do the things that you describe because, you know, this seems like something that would be easier for entrepreneurs or people that are financially well off who are able to travel and give them, give their children these experiences. And so, you know, to me, that just doesn't seem sincere. Somebody may say, and I know you've addressed that and you always do a great job about that, but I could see where, you know, because you do give some great analogies in your book about travel and how you infuse learning in that in a natural way and their curiosity but I can also see from another perspective, someone's like, well, there, there's no way we can afford to go there. So would right. you share a little, cause I do think that could also be one of those, you know, limiting beliefs that people are having that, oh, well, there's just, we can, you know, we can't do those things. Right. I mean, for us, I think it's number one, really important to understand that travel is just something that was like a passion for us. Like we connected to travel and travel with purpose, Mm -hmm. right? Like that was just something we connected to. That's a passion of our families. So we made it like a priority in one way, but like post Corona world, I have no idea what travel is going to look like. And eat and for a lot, I have a best friend and she hates to travel, like absolutely detests it. 
but she loves homesteading. Like she loves her chickens and she loves her garden and her flowers. Oh, and like her children spend their day collecting eggs and planting vegetables, right? And so I think A, the travel piece really has a lot to do with our personal story. Mm -hmm. But I also think because there is so much learning and education that happens, um, you know, I really encourage parents to, you know, become tourists in their own town and their own states, like do the little local for so long. Like we lived outside of Sacramento, California, and we hadn't been to the Capitol. There's just like so many mm-hmm. things. There's state parks and national parks. I mean, you're in Georgia. Holy smokes. There's so much there. I want to do like Georgia is at the top of my list. I haven't been there yet, but we just can't wait. And so Um, I think it's about just finding learning experiences where you can, when you can, if it is important to you, then, you know, set that goal, make that budget. Like that's the other thing about homeschool life is like you, you can make any dream a reality. Like there isn't all these roadblocks that we used to have when we were tied down to systems and, and all of that. So I think it's about defining like what's super important to you and then, incorporating that into your life. Yeah. And I love that. Cause I think you talked about that earlier too. It's just that, that, that's that self-directed piece, but even as a family, having those conversations to know what is important to us, what are our values? What do we want to see this look like and what is possible for us? And like you said, that was just part of your story that makes sense for your family, but it could be for another family that they, you know, decide to go on mission trips or they, I mean, they can have a completely different focus um, our daughter would love for us to have a farm, but yeah. <laughs> we may go visit a farm, but that's going to be about as close as I get to one. But, uh, so let's say someone's listening and they're like, you know, I just don't even know where to start. First, I would tell them to absolutely go get the five hour school week, but you know, cause it's just, it's a great read and it's a great story. And I, I love hearing about your journey and also the practical pieces that you provide. But if someone's listening today and they're like, Colleen, I don't, what would be my first steps? Like, what would you tell someone to do if they're considering withdrawing their children from school to do some type of schooling at home? Again, we're not talking about pandemic schooling. We're talking about mm-hmm. truly this system is not the best for my child to learn in. And I've just decided as we've decided as a family, we want to try something different. So what would be some advice you would tell, you know, just a couple of things maybe to, to get someone started? You know, the first one is to like really write down your why I tell parents all the time, like write down exact, very clear, like why you're doing this, like what your expectation is, um, have conversations with your kids about it and what their expectation is and what they hope is going to be right. Like really get a clear idea where you can like visualize this new life that you want to step into, um, I think it's really important to figure out what your state laws are, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, HSLDA has just like a state by state, uh, com. If you just go HSLDA.com, they have great legal help for homeschoolers and they go state by state, okay. you know, w- what requirements are. They're a great resource. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes uh, for people. Yeah. Um, and really, I mean, at, get ready to just like uneducate, like unschool yourself for a little while. Like give yourself a big break, take a deep breath, like find some fun things to do. Maybe don't look for curriculum right away. Like most people say like, find your curriculum, do this. I always say like, take a good break, like have deep conversations with your kids, have a good time and like educate yourself and figure out like what feels good to you. I read a lot of books, uh, like free to learn by Peter gray and dumbing us down by John Taylor Gatto. I listened to podcasts. Um, honey, I'm homeschooling the kids, Uh Robin. She's like one of the best. And she just has like a hundred shows that are so good. Um, and get like, just get like, build that confidence in yourself because that's what will trip you up over and over again. I feel like that's my biggest trip right. up. That's most parents trip up is that self doubt. So just get really clear. Like, this is what I want to do. And this is why. And then just go do it. Like, seriously. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. So my last question that I always love to ask, which is what is the best mom advice you've ever received? Mm. 
Okay. This is going to sound super corny, but this is like my motto this year. I'm so sorry, but like you cannot pour from an empty cup. Love it. Ladies, you know, we have got to take care of ourselves, especially right now. And our kids need that. They need to see what it looks like to take care of yourself, to stay healthy, to stay positive, like emotionally, spiritually, physically, like you have to be fit or this will be a miserable journey. And I do not want that for anybody. I want people to love this. Absolutely. So how can we follow your work and your family? I have to say, I do love your Instagram account and I love what you put out there. Uh, It's always very positive and I love seeing your kids and seeing your journey, but is there any other places? And I'll, I'll put those in the show notes as well. Yeah. Instagram is my most favorite place to hang out, but I do have a Facebook page. Um, it just kind of transfers whatever is up on Instagram. I'm not, I don't hang out there very often. And I do have a website, www.fivehourschoolweek.com, both with the number and spelled out. Um, I have some blog posts and stuff there and yeah, that's about it. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to connect and collaborate today. And I so sincerely appreciate you being on the show. You have been one of the people that I've been wanting to connect with for a while now, especially after reading your book and following you. And so I just appreciate so much you taking time away from your family to, to be on the show and share with other moms. That's so important to all of our journeys that we share and work together. And so I appreciate you having the heart to do that as well. That's so nice of you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think that this community and what you're doing is really, really important work. Um, And so I'm just really honored to get to be, to be here and support and cheer for you all. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. I enjoyed getting to know Kalina and her journeys with homeschooling from a little bit different lens. So I hope that that was helpful for you on your journey and you learned some things along the way. You can find the show notes from today's episode at dyslexiamomlife.com backslash episode 56. Do you want to clarify your next steps? I mean, if your child has recently been identified with dyslexia, do you have a master plan? Do you know where to start? Do you want to learn from someone who has been there and understands the feelings of relief at the same time not knowing which direction to go first? that I'm your guide, mentor, bestie, and cheerleader on this journey. My course, Dyslexia Battle Blueprint, is what you need when you are starting your journey. You will find clarity on dyslexia, what is needed, you can plan your next steps, and take steps to implement and monitor your Dyslexia Battle Blueprint. Just go to dyslexiamomlife.com to learn more about the course and how I can guide you through raising a child who thrives with dyslexia. I'll be back on Monday. I hope you'll join me then. Have an amazing week. And remember, you got this.